Herbert is being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the Warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Guyton. Caught. Touchdown, Chargers. That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. I I'm not kidding. What is going on, Bolt fam? Welcome to the Thunder Down Under Chargers podcast. Andy here with Jack and Alistair. Boys, we return Yo! for part three Yo! of this year's 2023 opponent series, where we will cover the AFC West. God, we should have teed up the... They're our rivals, but uh, we play on. Uh, before we jump into uh, the three teams that will be playing twice this year, Plenty of news to cover. Training camp is well underway now. Uh, a certain contract extension has gone down since we last spoke as well. Over the course of a player's first three seasons, he ranks first in completions with 13-16. Passing yards, 14,089. Combined touchdowns, Whoa. 102. And 300-yard games tw with 22. Whoa. Is the only player in history to top 4,000 yards in each of those first three seasons and one of two to begin a career with three seasons of 25 or more touchdowns. All that and just being a great down-to-earth good bloke. So knowing Justin Herbert is my team's quarterback until at least 2030 for an average of about $52.5 million over the course makes me feel warm and comfortable. Al, if you wouldn't mind, run us through how this contract is structured and what it does, or what it means rather for the team's future financially. Yeah, bidi bidi bidi. We're gonna break down the contract numbers here. And <laughs> what is really important to know is, although this is described as a five-year deal, five years, da da da, it's really a five-year extension. So he's essentially locked up until the end of the twenty twenty-nine season. It's really seven years, including this one. Yep. Takes him through to his age thirty-two season. For the cap gurus. The bit that's really nice about the way this deal is structured is the cap hits stay low early in the deal, as you'd expect. This year, he's only taking up the same as he would have without the deal, $8.46 million. Next year, it goes up to 19.35. But the thing that's important to know is if he played on the fifth year option, it would have cost another $10 million. So this year and next year, we're looking at cost control, real chances to build a strong team around him. And we already know we're in a cap pickle next year trying to clear 60-odd million dollars. That $10 million is a good start. Mm. Then his contract starts getting expensive from about 2026 onwards. However, we know there are tricks that GMs can play to restructure stuff. And I fully expect by that stage, they will start to exercise those, those types of rights. No trade clause, as you'd expect. Yeah, um, nice. He signs the deal day before training camp, which is exactly what you want. Mm -hmm. So it's not hanging over the team. He becomes the highest paid player in the history of the sport until Burrow signs his deal, no doubt, in the next couple of weeks. And e excellent. Like, couldn't happen to a nicer bloke who's just the leader of the team and's earned every dollar, in my opinion. What say you, Jack? How good is it to have... Justin Herbert and Andy, I couldn't have said it better myself. How good is it to have him locked up for the next six years, seven years to know that until 2029, we're going to have one of the number one, one of the 
top five quarterbacks in the NFL. It's great. It, it just goes to show that have we seen or are we seeing the change of the Spanos team control? Because we are throwing money around like there's no tomorrow. Historically, the Spanos family has been uh, supposedly tight in terms of giving players big long-term deals. But it seems to me that I don't think we could make that criticism of them anymore. Herbert's been paid. Joey Bosa's been paid. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Khalil Mack is being paid. Derwin James is being paid. So I think that is now null and void. And I don't know what the confluence of circumstances that is. Is it the move to LA? It was a fresh start. The, they've, uh, they've been reinvigorated by the competition that Kroenke and the Rams have got there. I don't know what it is, but those people that are still going to blame the Spanoses for not paying players and letting players walk, I think now we probably need to eat our humble pie and just look at what teams, uh, what the team is doing. And it's just incredible. I'm just so over the moon. When I saw that, I woke up. I think I've been on cloud nine ever since. Yeah, very exciting. And just just deserving. And, you know, like you said, Dewan James is probably the other, like especially younger guy um, that we've locked up to, you know, highest paid at the position sort of thing. So uh, really exciting. Jack, I'm going to throw you straight back to you, man. Um, onto the, the playing field with camp uh, underway. What are you What are you thinking? What are you seeing? What are you feeling? I've been, I've watched a hell of a lot of press conferences from Staley to SJD to Kendricks. To, it was fantastic to hear it, Kendricks speak. But the one thing that I did want to point out straight away is was when SJD was talking. He's a wonderful uh, conversationalist. He's got so much mm. energy. Bash, that's what he, that's yeah. what everyone calls him. Um, but he alluded to K9's development three separate times when he was asked separate questions. And we know that K9 and Gerald Everett got into it the other day. So maybe this is K9 season. And, and we've been quite harsh on him uh, on this podcast and myself included. But maybe he's finally got that mentor in Kendricks and they're communicating. The communicating is really good. Um, you know, maybe that linebacker position won't be a, uh, a liability anymore. Yes, it was sad when uh, he who shall not be named walked to Kansas City. But maybe it's a blessing in disguise. And, and I did want to uh, focus on that because I think it's great. K9, he hasn't spoken to the media yet, but man, if he can put it all together mentally, he's got the body that he could be absolutely anything. So that's really stuck out to me. Alistair, was anything um, that stuck out to you? Plenty, man. But but on your point, like the, I thought the second half of last year, we saw some market improvement in aspects of Kenny Murray's game, especially in coverage. There were still the occasional moments in run defense that you'll need to work on. But if... He is to break out. The signs are there. Lots of linebackers don't take that leap till year three, sometimes year 100%. four. Tremaine Edmonds, year five, it took him. Mm. So the, mm. the athleticism is there. I'm excited to see how he goes. I am really excited about Quentin Johnston and the position he's being put in to succeed. I think how you plan to use fresh rookies is critical to, to their success. If you throw them straight into the starting role... As we've seen with a player like Kenny Murray, you're really putting the cards against them early in their career. And Quentin Johnston walks into a room that already has Keenan and Micah's established $20 million receivers and Josh Palmer, who's a very capable third. 
And what it does is it gives him time to work on those weaknesses. And those existed in college. He had some troubles catching the ball uh, contestedly and also dropped some, went quiet in big games. And, you know, there were reasons to think that if he comes in and he's asked to be the X receiver in an NFL offense, he might struggle against some NFL cornerbacks. But He's got incredible strengths, and we've seen it posted all across the internet. He has incredible torque in his body, agility, yards after catch for a guy of his size. And if Kellen Moore knows how to use him, he can say, look, mate, you're going to come on screen passes, drags, crosses. We're going to get the ball in your hands, and then we're going to work on that other stuff so that by year two and year three, when he's being asked to step up, he'll be ready for it. I think it's fantastic, fantastic, and gives him the best chance to be a superstar. Yeah, it's um, it's it's really great to see the guys being used in such different and like diverse ways um, with Kellen Kellen Moore's offense and um, you you're right, just easing him into it, get him doing sprinkling a little bit here and there is um is going to be really good for his development. And Palmer's really playing like he he wants to continue to play in this league and for this team, um, and a lot of praise going his way from from uh, Mike Williams especially who um sat out the most recent training. Um, yeah, a lot of love for Kenny Murray. Um, a lot of love as well for Eric, Eric Kendricks, as you said, how are we feeling? About, I know, I'm not going to ask you this, Alistair, cause I know how you sit on this, this topic, but Jack, how are you feeling about, uh, JC Jackson and his progress coming mm. back into, into the team? Well, I think a little bit of Alistair's, is it pessimism or caution has rubbed off on me and it's fantastic to see him out there, but we all know that the patellar injury that he suffered is one of the hardest to come back from. You're going the science as well. If not harder to come back from (laughs) than an ACL, but you know, the marvels of modern science do some wonderful things. But I, it, what it is, it's he's a talisman now, and, and he's becoming a talisman for the team. He got paid quite a lot of money. You know, he was considered one of the, the best cornerbacks in the league. He had a shocking start to the to the year and obviously ending in that injury. But it's a credit to him, and the Chargers social media team have been very big at showing how hard he's working and sharing it because there is a world where he just gives up and goes, well, you know, I'm just going to get my body right. I'm going to take all of, all of this year off. I've got my money. Do I really need to jeopardize maybe my next contract? But he's, he's out there, he's working, and the guys seem to be really uh, surrounding him. So it, it, it's... I, I'm not, I don't have a lot of hopes for him in the early parts of the year playing, but what he means to the team is clearly something quite important. So that's where I kind of land on that one. Diplomatic answer. It's good. Yeah, no, but... but no, no, go but, but the Yeah, the, look, the, pe- the pessimistic point... <laughs> I, I, I think what's... Imp- I, <laughs> I, I think what is... In a strange way, it's optimistic. Of course, the lawyer would try to twist it like that. But, like... What, what I'm trying to get at is fans be patient. Mm. A lot of doctors will say the first year back after the return of an ACL or patella, you're unlikely to be what you were prior to the injury. The return time can be up to 18 months until you're kind of scratching what you were at. So personally, I'm not expecting this year to be a great year for JC Jackson. If it is, I'll be over the moon. I'll be so surprised and excited. I just hope he can hold his own this year so he's still able to contribute, isn't a liability. And I think more realistically, 2024 is when we can expect him to be playing like the old JC Jackson. That's mm. all. Mm. Yeah. How do you feel the Al, how do you feel the the cornerback depth 
sits at the moment without if JC Jackson, you know, isn't doesn't come back in as like maybe sixty five percent of what he was. Well, it's one of the talking points of training camp. Mm. It appears that mm. Asante Samuel mm. Junior is Sunday. not hate that. Good. Mm. not penciled in as the starter at the outside corner position. I mean, JC Jackson's the $14 million a year corner. Michael Davis certainly earned a starting role the way he played down the stretch. And two years in a row, the Chargers season has ended because of Asante Samuel's whiffed tackling in a crack replace scenario. It happened when he missed Josh Jacobs against the Raiders. Happened when he missed Travis Etienne against the Jags. And Staley's just thinking, okay, you're a smaller corner. You've got inside-outside flex. Okay, you're going to have to fight for that outside starter position because my job's on the line this year. And I'm not going to have the season end in the same way. So I think it's got to be a good thing. It seems like Jasia Taylor's doing all right. It seems like Asante's responded. Yeah, yeah correct. Pass breakups today. Yeah. yeah. Competition breeds success, doesn't it? And on, um, well, that, uh, and yeah. on Quinton Johnson as well. That's a big um, size mismatch. Mm. And I think the, the the positive there as well is that, again, there's a world maybe five or six years ago at the Chargers where Asante Samuel gets the white glove thrown down and said, the challenge is there. So he goes, well, F that. I don't want to play. I want to be traded. Screw this. I'm, I'm, I'm a high draft pick. I'm a second round. Nah, take me somewhere. But as you, as you said, Alistair, he's taken it and he's going, nah, screw this. I'm going to prove to you that I'm a starting corner in this system. Um, Al, I did His want- press conference today was really impressive, yeah, was. by the way. He, he actually acknowledged it yeah. and said, uh, like, he could have shown some sullenness, right? Mm. He was like, no, no, whatever's best for this team. I, I, if inside or outside, I'm going to contribute. I was very impressed by it. Only three minutes long, but good on you, Asante. You've taken in the right spirit. Yeah, it looked, it Sorry, looked Jack, like he'd on. grown up in that one. Yeah, sure. Um, Alistair, I just wanted to talk because obviously Callum Moore has come in with a slightly uh, new or different offensive scheme. How do you see, um, you know, we talked a lot about the dagger concept. You know, that's where it's that um, the slot receiver running the vertical clear out with the outside running a dig underneath. um, And that really helps against those um, split safety coverages in the NFL. Where do you see um, our wide receiver room kind of fitting in that dagger concept? Where where do you reckon we're going to be seeing those um, th- those players? You know, where's Keenan Allen? Is he underneath or is he? What what are your thoughts on that? It's super interesting because on that one play you're referring to that we kind of put up on Twitter, mm. you had Keenan in the slot and Mike out wide, and Keenan caught the kind of deep vertical, which wouldn't even be the first read on that concept. I had always thought that Quentin Johnston is the outside receiver running the dig is kind of how you draw it up because a bit like cd lamb what you're hoping for is the ball to be completed in stride Mm. and then you're running and scampering across the field and i don't really see that as a strength of mike williams per se he'd have to get down stop come across the field he's more likely to catch it and then kind of fall to the ground Mm. so i don't know i guess quentin johnston would be a guy maybe even josh palmer is relatively lithe All right. Yeah. Anything, <laughs> anything, uh, anything else? Trey Pipkins is injured and has um, missed, an, I think, his fourth uh, training session. So uh, Foster Sorrell has been lining up at right tackle. Poor guy, can't get a break. Do either of you know what the actual injury is? No. It's uh, been... Look, someone on Twitter said they saw him talking about an ankle rather than a knee, but that's just, um, I don't know, speculation. Right. But it's the same leg that where he had the MCL difficulties yeah, last year. Yeah, so maybe there's some residual 
work that he still needs to do. But that's kind of frustrating because these are pretty important reps in a new offense. But uh, yeah, mm. come on, come on, Trey, let's Definitely. go. You've been paid, mate. Time to time to time to get healthy. All right. Great. Anything further from either of you guys? Anyone else? Any other player of note? Um, Cam Dicker seems to yeah. be taking a lot of the kicks. Uh, don't know really what's going on there, but a bit of special teams gear. Out, uh, kick a corner, bit of kick the... a corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 did, I did want to note, Alistair, before you go, I did want to note that it looks like we're working on our tackling for, for, for once and that Staley mm. took the words out of my mouth, mate. Yeah, we finally, once we got the pads on, it was the only way you get better at tackling is to tackle. So that's great that it's, that it's been worked into the program early on so we can uh, fix some of those issues that we had with broken tackles Lots last Lots of those issues. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to Lots. be. I'm glad. To, I was really glad to hear it reinforced by numerous people that it's a real point of point of attack um, of this uh, this year's defense is tackling. So, and um, just minimizing space. They seem to be doing that really well. Just sort of shutting down the run and closing closing the field in and operating in a tight area, which is is good too. Uh, cool. That. All right. Well, let's uh, move right along uh, into our opponents. The AFC West. We will kick it off with Alistair with Kansas City. What is left to say about this team? I <laughs> fucking hate them. <laughs> like, okay, so they so they win the Super Bowl. Mahomes adds like a marquee moment that you're going to see in America's game, where he somehow overcomes the high ankle sprain to win another Super Bowl. L- let's give credit where it's due. They've won the AFC West now seven years in a row. In that time, they've won two Super Bowls, an AFC championship, so they've made three Super Bowls, and five AFC title appearances. In contrast, the Chargers now, we haven't made an AFC title game since 2007, and we haven't won the division for 13 years since the 2009 season. So they are the big daddy, big ass daddy of the division. They did a bit... Over the off-season, we all saw that Eric Bieniemy finally left. Good on him to get an OC gig with the Commanders. Both their starting offensive tackles leave. Frank Clark leaves to Denver. They lose Juju and McCole Hardman as wide receivers and then some lesser-named players. They pick up two tackles, Donovan Smith from Tampa Bay, Jawan Taylor from Jacksonville, and then a couple of replacement edge players, Amenahu from the 49ers and Felix Anadiko Zoma. They draft out of Kansas State. I think they're like they're the best team in the league again, no doubt. But Chargers fans have to be excited that under Brandon Staley, we're one of those teams that's played them as close as anybody, right? Yep. A record against them is it's only one and three, so it doesn't sound like it, but it's the nature of the games. That very first matchup at Kansas City in 2021, Chargers win at Arrowhead Stadium. So exciting. The second one that year, we lost in overtime. Last season, we lost that first game in Arrowhead. You'll all remember with Herbert, sore ribs, 99-yard pick six, two interceptions taken off the board for the Chargers by ref calls. And then the fourth game was, again, it was a 30-27 to loss with Kelsey beating Derwin on a crosser. I mean, look at the, the margins of victory are so tight. It just feels like... They're the best team in the NFL, but it, it shows me that we're not that far off being a really good football team. What do you reckon, um, Andy? How, how big is this gap? And, and are you confident that the Chargers can bridge it this season? 
Uh, I was thinking long and hard about the second part of that um, because I think I yeah. feel I think I feel the first part to be um, legit. Like it, like you said, you you signposted it perfectly by saying that it's always it's the nature of those games. It might be a one and three record, but we're losing in just like one play or one moment. And sure, that's what the game ultimately comes down to every single time. But um, we're always right up there and we're pushing them and um, they're the best team in the, in the comp. So it, it's uh it is really pos- um, promising for, for our team. And hopefully we can at least take one off the ledger um, in the two ties this year. Uh, but it's, you know, it's going to be a, a battle, but you know, they always, the Staley always talks about, you know, battle hardened and, and rugged footballers, and I guess that's the way iron sharpens iron. All those cliches. Um, I think I think the gaps are not that far off. Jack, what do you think? How do you see the Chargers lining up against the the Chiefs this year? I just don't see the Chiefs getting any worse. If anything, <laughs> I see the Chiefs actually getting better. Yep. You know, they lose uh, a lot of uh, veterans, I guess. You know, Miko Hardman, Juju Clark, as you alluded to, Alistair. But, you know, their draft class from last year is still around and they're all still very, very good players. And they've got one more year. Not only just one more year, but they've got a Super Bowl winning year. You know, you think of players like Leo Chanel, you think of Carl Aftis as another year older. Um, these guys are going to be good. And it's just not fair. It's just not fair that they can lose their starting right tackle and starting left tackle and then get Donovan Smith and, and Jawan Taylor. It's just not that it's just not fair because they'll come in and they'll do a great job um, you know, protecting Patrick Mahomes. And you guys haven't watched quarterback yet, so I'm not going to spoil anything. But the relationship that you can see between Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid is, is clearly very, very special. Mm. What they do, how they speak about the offense, how they speak about building plays together, the, 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 the way that Mahomes sees the field is something to, be, to behold. I think the gap is closer, as, as you said, Andy, than, than it ever has been. But this is still going to be a tough game. I mean, that's the Chiefs. It's going to be, you know, everyone's going to have a tough game against the Chiefs because they can not only kill you with the big play, if anything, they've dropped away those big play moments and they'll just kill yep. you with death by a thousand cuts. Yep. Running back by committee, wide receiver by committee. It's, it's, it is uh, wide receiver by committee, isn't it? It is, yeah. Like Sky Moore's just, another one of those guys who's another se- another year into his career and Kadarius Tony stepping up and Valdez Scantling. Um, they're just kind of going, we'll just make it work with whoever, kind of sort of like the yeah, Patriots yeah. did, but without as much sort you of... You can with help. Kelsey, can't you? Yeah, exactly. Well, if, if you focus too much on Kelsey, like, yeah. You know, there's design plays for all four of their tight ends. Like, they're just... Yeah. And how that running back room's developed where Edward Tellez, like, second or third on the death chart. Isaiah Pacheco, the seventh round, is another year into his into his career. It's, uh, it's pretty scary stuff. We've really just juiced up the Chiefs. Um... That's all right. Let's bring them down a peg. Yeah. yeah. That, look, they're brilliant. And wh- one final nice thing to say about them, of all the things that Mahomes does well, the thing that makes him Mahomes to me is his pressure to sack percentage. It is sickening. Yeah. He, it's the best in the NFL by a mile. Only 10.8% of the pressures on him are converted into sacks. Herbert's also really good at around 14%. But it's like, if, if that's what you want to see from your quarterback, and Brady was the same, you just can never sack the guy. He's yeah. got this sixth sense. 
gets it out of his hand, scrambles. It's fucking frustrating. Anyway, <laughs> what if this team has a weakness? It is that they're this modern blueprint where their offense is number one in the league and their defense is about you know sixteenth. They're kind of right in the middle. It's not like they're great. They blitz a lot because they know that they probably don't have talent everywhere and they probably know that all they've got to do is keep the opposition to under 30 and they're going to win. Looking at this lineup, I don't mind which of you jumps in, but do you see this like as a middling defense getting worse or do you actually think the opposite? Is this a middling defense that's actually pretty bloody good? I think it's the other way. I think I think it's going to get. I think it's going to be better because of what I said before. Because McDuffie, Chanel, Carl Laftis, those three guys there. Um, you know, Trent McDuffie started to play some pretty good football on the in the back half of last year. Um, mm. You know, and you've got you've got Nick Bolton. You've got, he, he could be the number one linebacker in the league this year, which is unbelievable. I, I don't see yeah. these guys getting any worse. I mean, listen, the cornerback room and the safety room, uh, I mean, Justin Reed's still serviceable. They're, they're, they're getting a little, I guess Justin Reed himself is, is getting on a little bit, but I don't see these. And, you know, we haven't even talked about Chris Jones, who's taken the mantle of the, the premier interior pass rusher from Aaron Donald. So... I look at this. Hey, and he, I, he's he's racking up fifty thousand dollar fines per day, holding out at the minute. He wants some. Yeah. He wants some new dollars, but they always work that shit out. The they always do. Yeah. yeah. So I I don't see this middling at all. I see them improving. Um. You know. My, oh, top ten. Am I going to say it? Maybe not top ten, but just outside. Yeah, I think they're. I think their front seven's probably stronger than their their secondary, but um, like I don't think there's I don't think there's too much like they lose a little bit of experience frank clark but they bring in rotate like more sort of flexibility with omanihu and and duki Izoma. so i don't really see there being too much of a difference with say that three times yeah. uh, <laughs> i was like do you say do i risk saying that name do I, i'll just give it i like I'll give it you a go. and it came out okay. <laughs> um yeah uh i just i don't think it's if it's sort of middle of the field maybe 10 to 16. I don't know about top 10. Spags always and manages it, to do some stuff. and He does. And everything you hear from training camp is annoyingly positive. Mm, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, Richie James from the Giants has been really good. Piss uh, off. You know, Rasheer Rice, the rookie's impressed. This undrafted free agent, Daenerys Prince, as a running back, looks like another steal. Oh, so frustrating. <laughs> They're a really good team. They're a really good team. All right. Record predictions. Chargers play them twice this year. The first time at week seven at Kansas City, then at home in week eighteen. Uh, Jack, let's start with you. What what do you what's your record record prediction? Us and the Chiefs. I will go. I'm going to say that I think we yeah one and one. I think we win one and we lose one. Um, I, and do we give record? Do we give uh, overall records for the Chiefs as well? Wins and losses or not? You can, no, if you, you can if you I, want to. I mean, oh. we, we'd do that for the division, sure. Where do you think they're going to Yeah, see? okay. Can, can I say 12 Can I say twelve and 5? 12 and 5? Yeah, okay. For the Chargers? No, for the, no, for no, the no, no for, the, for the Chiefs. Oh, yeah, okay. 12 and yep. 5, and I think that we're going to be we're going to be on their heels. At a, yeah, I think we're going to... I don't think we're going to win the division again. I think they will, but I reckon they're mm-hmm. going to be 12 and 5. We split it, and I reckon we win it so far, we lose at KC. Okay. God, it. yeah. See, Andy. the way that it's it'd be head on the block to say that we'll we'll just uh, we'll go two and zero and uh, knock them off. But look, look at the way that the games are set up. The Chargers at the Chiefs, 
yep. we've got what a week five buy. Um, hmm. refreshed after that. Um, go to Arrowhead and make a statement and win that game, and then you know. Yeah, we've be- got Dallas on Monday Night Football the week before, and then go and play Sunday at Arrowhead. Okay, so a shorter yeah. week, but it's look, it's not something that's impossible. Um, we might come back from the bye and touch wood. Get we we lose at Dallas or something, and then um, we just you know fire up and beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead, make a statement, and then the way that the rest of the season pans out, like you said, Jack, it's going to be pretty close. Maybe the Chiefs just go well. Um, we've we've got a game in hand against the Chargers. We would rest some guys going into the playoffs. We got the number one seed or something because I think they they might do a little bit better than twelve and five. Um, but we could could still knock them off in week eighteen, resting some guys. What is your prediction? <laughs> one and one. <laughs> I'm going to say one and one as well. Chiefs, we're going to win at Arrowhead. We're going to lose at home in week 18. Heard it here first. Yeah, very good. We're going to lose at home, and I reckon that's going to be a crunch game too, and it'll be a yeah, heartbreaker. Chiefs will win 14 for yeah. the year. 14 and three is my tip. Great. Well, oh, after my ramble on, that's sick. all we have time for today. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> now we'll move right along. Uh, Broncos country, let's ride. What a tale the past 12 months have told for this uh, storied franchise. Last year, it was the league-shaking trade, first-rounders and the rest sent to Seattle for Mr. Unlimited, and that ended with a 5-12 and record and a laughable offense. This year, a little bit more finesse, a little bit more business acumen. The first rounder the Bronco received for Bradley Chubb goes to New Orleans for Lionel the janitor in home team. You got it, Sean Payton. There will be mile-high hopes that this season 2023 uh, fares better than it did in 2022, uh, as it did under Nathaniel Hackett. Peyton brings in some some familiar faces along for the ride from his Saints days. Obviously, offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi is now nursed uh, by Sean. Back to the teat. He spent 13 years uh, with the Visor King uh, in New Orleans. Uh, adds Marquez Callaway uh, and tight end Adam Troutman to an offense that was ranked 24th now uh, and 28th in the passing game. Are these two going to improve that? Probably not. Uh, but there is value in bringing some experienced guys uh, that were important pieces sort of more in their prime in his system, sort of moving into that and handy depth, especially with what's happening in that wide receiver room. Um, moving on to that group, uh, Sad news, first of all, Tim Patrick injuring his Achilles. Looks like another season-ending injury, uh, almost exactly 12 months after he tore his ACL and 2022 finished prematurely. Um, And now KJ Hamler has uh, received a diagnosis of pericarditis, which is some irritation, inflammation of the heart and the surrounding tissue, I believe. Maybe not necessarily the heart, but anyway, he's um, been waived on non-football something uh i don't know the specific of that exactly but um he has yeah he would just take some time off to sort that out uh so we look they're our rivals but we we hope all the best for both of those guys getting back into it so Cortland sutton and the pontiac bandit uh doug judy um they'll need to elevate their games to new heights brooklyn 99 anyone um big focal points for russell wilson uh and peyton's passing game 
Marvin Mims drafted in the second, adding depth with Kendall Hilton. Um, Greg Dolchich, another guy. Um, we talked about Not bad. guys who had decent rookie years moving into their second. He was good. Tied, tied in the league for 27th uh, for receptions. And sure, that's sort of bottom of all starting tight ends. But um, still rookie third rounder. Uh, he broke 80 yards twice last year. Um, you know, that sort of mid-20s in the league for yards and touchdowns. Um, he looks like he could develop into a real yards-after-catch monster. And maybe not necessarily the same mold as a Jimmy Graham, but um, still could be utilized by Sean and developed in such a way like that. Uh, over to the line on that offense, Sean Payton's just walked in and seen some crap and decided to uh, to clean house. Um this year we're shaping up for a little less Paul Blart, Paul Blart, Mall Cop, and a bit more. Um, I don't really know any movie where Kevin James has been in shape, so it looks a bit better. Let's put it that way. Dalton Risner is a, uh, could be a Viking, still a free agent uh, at the moment. Graham Glasgow off to Detroit. Broncos bring in former Ravens left guard Ben Powers, and their arguably their biggest on-field move for the off-season. Forty-nine ers right tackle Mike McGlinchey. Uh, five years, $87.5 million contract, if you don't mind. Um, we'll see what happens with this running back group with Javante Williams returned from injury. Samaji P. Ryan's been added, yeah, replacing Latavius Murray. Um, but yeah, once again, per PFF, that rushing unit was ranked 25th, 25th in the league. So uh, a, lot, a lot of work to sort of just get this this flow back between Russell Wilson and um, and Sean Payton. Not flow back, but just get something happening, and hopefully Russ is not cooked. Um, Vance Joseph's in for Giro Vero, who's off to Carolina on defense. Obviously, former Broncos head coach, so that's a little bit interesting. But he inherits the seventh ranked defense uh, in the league, second in coverage. Um, he's coached some good defenses along the way, learned some tricks uh, under Wade Phillips in Houston. Um, He's just that sort of sound guy like Dennis Allen was in New Orleans that Sean Payton can just sort of mm. chuck and look after the, the defense. Standard 3-4, lot of disguised blitz stuff for Vance. And, um, yeah, he'll just, you know, he'll operate a lot of man with Pat Sertain and designs a lot of his coverages relative to his talent. So, yeah, personnel-wise, not too much on defense. Um, but, Jack, uh, I want to ask you, is Russ cooked? Or can can this work? <laughs> no, Russell, Russell Wilson isn't cooked. I, I don't think. Uh, I think it was a shocking year last year, Hackett. And Wilson's relationship, we now know, is was tenuous at best. Um, Sean Payton comes in, experienced head coach. Russell Wilson, experienced quarterback. You'd expect Sean Payton to have some understanding of the relationship between Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll and what made that work. Sean Payton can wrangle personalities. So, no, I don't think Russell Wilson is cooked. And I think we will see a bounce back from these Broncos. Uh, I must admit, I'm really looking forward to seeing Javante Williams. I, As much as I hate seeing him run against us, but he was amazing before he did his ACL. Um, and I don't mind Tyler Beatty either. But, no, I don't think Russell Wilson is cooked. They're going to be good. Will they push us? I'm not too sure. But this is the prove-it year for Russell Wilson because then I believe the Broncos can pull a pin or they can trade. Um, not that he's got much value given the contract that he's on. But uh, no, this is a prove-it year for, for Sean. He wants to probably stick it up 
the charges as well because there was all that hoo-ha and drama around whether Sean Payton was going to take over Brandon Staley. Uh, no, but it's going to be some fun games. I tell you what, it's the Joe Lombardi revenge tour. That will be fascinating to see if he's changed any concepts whatsoever. Mm. Uh, and Staley might just go, nom, 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 nom. let me eat your Sasaskaya, Joe Lombardi. That would be fun. Oh my God, what was that? <laughs> I don't know. I oh, liked it. Uh, look, I think, I think Russ is cooked. I think he's completely cooked. Second lowest career yards per attempt, fewest touchdowns in his career, lowest completion percentage of his career, lowest big time throw percentage of his career, worst pressure to sack percentage ratio of his career. He was a fat ass last year. <laughs> so how, how serious can this guy be about the sport? Now, apparently he's lost weight this off season. Apparently also he's looked awful in training camp. He's thrown two picks the last two days to Justin Simmons and Payton's having to mince words to, to the press explaining why he still isn't looking very good. Also, here's the critical point for me. I don't think Sean Payton's scheme is a good fit for Russell Wilson. I think his scheme is designed for a lot of quick game, accurate throwing. Think of Drew Brees. Mm. Russell Wilson is a guy who holds the ball for a long time and attacks vertically and runs around, moves around the pocket. Now, look, Peyton is so good that I think he can have success with lots of quarterbacks. He made Jameis Winston look good at the start of 2021, and he's more of a push-the-ball-down-the-field guy. So I think Peyton's about the best chance Russ has to kind of work out of this funk. But I just I was pro-Russ last year. I thought he was going to be excellent. I saw enough all 22 stuff, breakdowns from Kurt Warner, breakdowns from JT O'Sullivan, looking at, look, it wasn't just scheme. It was Russell was doing some stuff you do not expect to see from a franchise quarterback. And it tells me that cerebrally, he's never been on the level of these elite quarterbacks. And everyone used to say, let Russ cook, let Russ cook. Why is it a Marshawn Lynch driven offense? But maybe Pete Carroll knew something that we didn't, which was the best way Russ can operate is in that kind of more confined way rather than a lot of, um, you know, empty set deal really quickly. It's not really his thing. And now I feel like he might just be reaching that age where his body's slowly breaking down a bit. He's not as quick. He can't throw it as far. And I think it's going to get Maybe not worse, but I don't think he's going to jump back to being a top 10 kind of guy. I think he basically ends up being a bad signing and Peyton decides he needs to move on from Russ at, at a certain point is Ooh, my, like my guess. I like that a lot. Um, I think Russell is on serious meltdown alert personally. Uh, and there's a high like concern mm. for um, shitting the bed and this just being a really, really <laughs> enjoyable experience for everyone. Uh, prediction, fellas, Jack. Yeah, I reckon we beat them both times. Two zero. Both times. Two zero. Two zero. Two zero. Oh no! Actually, oh. I've got. I've not. I can't even read over here. Wonder why. I've gone uh, splitting <laughs> it. I've gone. Have I've. I've gone. I've gone. Broncos win the first one. Peyton's a really good coach. They they won one against us last year as well, and the game we won was in overtime, or you know really close. So they're one of those teams. They're hard to beat at mile high. They know us well. I'm going to say we split at 1-1. Come on, Alistair. You can't be saying all this stuff that Russell's cooked and then like, oh, you know what? Let's go 1-1. One one. Make a bold prediction, why don't you? And say, by week 14, Jarrett Stidham's going to be starting at quarterback. Come on, mate. Ooh, Look at this. You can't just us. sit on it. You just, Ask you just. Splinters. 
you absolutely blasted Wilson there. And you go, oh, no, actually, we're going to split. Come on, mate. What's going on? Well, I think they've got a good team around him. That's why. I think their secondary is fantastic. For I sure. think the offensive line's pretty good. Mm. So, and I think their coaching staff is, is very good. I think Sean Payton is a Hall of Fame coach. So, I don't know. You're going to lose it eventually. We lost to the Texans two years ago when they were awful. So mm, True. Anyway, yeah. you're right, though. I am a little... Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, Jack, over to you and the Las Vegas Raiders. Okay. Now, I've been fairly nice in my analysis for both the Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos, but... That is no longer. I have been in the studio this week. And you know, fans, how I love to put my creative talents to work when I'm analyzing a team. I put together a little song. So here we are. It doesn't really have a name other than it's called The Raiders Rap. Some of my finest work. Yo, yo, yo. TDU on the mic. The rap game is strong, baby. We got a Super Bowl winning team, I reckon. Herbie's been paid. Staley's there. Kellen Moore's there. Let's go get it. Come on. In the NFL, we've seen some teams that gleam. But let me tell you about the Raiders football dream. From Oakland to Vegas, they made the move a cheer. But on the field, their performance, nothing but tears. Raiders, Raiders, what's your plan? Without a win, cars aimless like a driverless delivery van. Your game's in shambles, it's crystal clear. A struggling football team forever in arrears. Josh McDaniels, the coach with a cold heart, can't connect to his players, can't make them in part. His playbook's a riddle. Game plan's all a fizzle. No chemistry with the team. Connection, that's brittle. Jimmy G, the talented QB with a curse. Injury prone, can't stay on the field, and it's getting worse. Fans have hope, but it's dashed with every fall. The sideline seems it's home. The pain is all too tall. Positively, two stars that shine so bright. Crosby's tenacity and Adams' might. The only silver lining on the Raiders running track. The rest, my lord, it's all a hole. Black, Las Vegas, the bright lights, the glitz, the glamour. But on the football field, it's a town yep. with no hammer. Yep. The game's a struggle, can't find the pride. A crap town for football, no place to hide. So there you have it, the tale is true. The Raiders' woes, they ain't nothing new. In this rap game, I speak the facts, unfiltered, a bad football team. That's how they'll ever be, forever remember. Oh yeah, let's win a ring, Chargers, FTR. Fuck the Raiders! <laughs> FTR, FTR! Uh, Kendall Jack Reed, eh? Ah, uh, there we go. So I hope awesome, you enjoyed man. that. That was a lot of fun to make. Um, that was good fun. Anyway, um, so uh, I guess my rap kind of uh, <laughs> sort of gave an overall vision of what's going on. And we all know that Jimmy G uh, with his health problems is now the starting quarterback of the Raiders football team. Derek Carr, Darren Waller, Cleveland Farrell, Denzel Perriman, Matt Collins, Rocky Sin. Uh, a lot of experience and a lot of guys that have been around the Raiders organization are now gone. And Josh McDaniels is getting what he wants, which is getting uh, some players both in the draft and also f in free agency. Now, I did some digging actually, and and I won't go through the rosters too much. I might leave. Up, I might have some questions for. Um, I might start with you after I do this, Alistair. But um, I was fascinated to see what McDaniels was doing with the Raiders' offense and. Uh, explosive plays were obviously we talk about explosive plays. We want the charges to be more explosive. Um, and 
I guess the, in the NFL stats wise, they're defined as, as I guess when we look at runs specifically, um, uh, that result in 10 yards or more and receptions that result in 20 yards or more. So through week 12 of last season, the Eagles Super Bowl, um, uh, Super Bowl invites had 97, while the Chiefs had 87, who ended up being the Super Bowl winners. Funnily enough, the Raiders had 81 which was 41 uh, rushes and 40 receptions. And, you know, there was definitely a balanced approach that McDaniels um, brought with the, the run system. And, you know, I think to, for them to be successful, they probably have to maintain that. However, the, the biggest issue here is that not only do you lose um, Darren Waller, you lose Derek Carr, which I'll just touch on in a second, but who knows what Josh Jacobs is doing in terms of his contract. So... Um, weirdly enough, I guess you could say that Garoppolo does not offer nearly as much as Carr when it comes to downfield throws, uh, but Garoppolo operates far more efficiently in short yarded situations. But the weird thing is, the caveat here is that Garoppolo does have more career yards per attempt than Carr. So that struck me as, as a weird little Kyle tidbit. Shanahan. Yeah, that's Carl Shanahan and after the catch, that's yak, baby. Uh, but, you know, if Garoppolo and Devontae Adams can build some kind of rapport, you know, there, there could be some interesting looks that they give us and their opponents. Um, Alice, I'll just jump straight to you. What in their, you know, we looked at their, we looked at their draft, uh, their draft hall. You know, we've got one of my favorites there, Michael Mayer. Um, how do you see Daniels and the Raiders kind of evolving uh, throughout this season? It's interesting because he's done a, like a mini teardown to get rid of your franchise quarterback and then a kind of who was thought to be a star tight end in Darren Waller is quite a bold move for a person who's well and truly on the hot seat heading into this year. And I see the same story as the Raiders of old where they have an offense, a particular, maybe even better than most years. As to your point, Jack, they're a dangerous offense with Devontae and Josh Jacobs and insert quarterback. McDaniels is a great offensive mind. Defense was ranked 26th for scoring last year. And looking at the moves they've made, mate, I, I can't see how that changes this year. I still think their defensive interior is a massive problem. And their secondary looks like it too. Trevon Merrig's coming off a down year. Nate Hobbs, who looked awesome yeah. last season, the, sorry, two years ago. He took a backward step, and that's because they played him as an outside corner, whereas in 2021, he played all in the slot, and he looked outstanding. So they've got a lot of work to do here, Patrick Graham and the defense. And I, look, I don't mind their draft. I agree with what you're saying. I think we all thought Mayer was a, a strong prospect. Tyree Wilson, I didn't love him, but still he's a massive man and is better than Cleland Farrell. So that's mm. some, some first-round mm. talent in the front seven. I actually have a rated rook I quite like, Christopher Smith out of Georgia. I spoke about him on our Defensive Prospects yeah. show pre-draft. I thought he was a guy Staley might like. Instead, they took him kind of in, in the back half of the draft. So if McDaniels gets enough time to implement a vision and transform this roster, sure, I think there's some talent there because the offensive line is probably playing better than anyone could have expected. They get pigeonholed as a bad offensive line. But if you just look through the data last year, they performed, I thought, overs based on the names across it. And some credit where it's due with the coaching. So 
um, in an roundabout way. I didn't really make any firm conclusions. <laughs> I said there's a little bit to like. Sometimes good, sometimes a maybe a sheet. Sometimes uh, maybe a sheet. <laughs> but most, I think mostly shit. And sometimes there may be a sheet. I've I've heard a bit too much. You know, Garoppolo's maybe an upgrade on car chat. I'm firmly in the camp of how many more average quarterbacks do we need to see thrive under Kyle Shanahan before we realize it's Kyle Shanahan. And yeah. I don't think Jimmy G's an upgrade over Carr. I think, think if anything, they kind of cancel each other um, out. Do you mm. think that there's any value in the relationship that McDaniels had with Garoppolo in New England? Prior to all the moving around, do you think that that sort of eases the transition of the system? Because it's pretty similar pieces and you're bringing over Jacoby Myers who did similar kind of gear. So like... Um, and today they signed Jacob Hollister. So yeah, like McDaniels mm. is just going back to the stuff he knows. Patriots yeah, so old. I mean, like it he sh- could be he should have some scheme familiarity. Could be achievable. Yeah. I just think that that defense is, um, you know, a couple of pieces removed, hot trash. So... Um, don't get me wrong. I think Max Crosby is like a top five Gun. rusher. Yeah, he's an absolute good. animal. Um, and his whole don't forget Jerry Tillery in there. He's he's that. awesome as well. He's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I saw a bit, has... a bit of chat out of uh, you know if Tillery puts it all together, uh, yeah. Yeah, he could be not shit. <laughs> Raiders Nation, baby. Here's a li- here's a little tidbit, and this took some digging from me. Uh, Alistair, you put me on to the podcast, The Play Callers, and that's all about the Shanahan coaching tree um, and how he loves to run his, you know, the run schemes. Now, I was looking at what the Raiders and and why Josh Jacobs was so successful on the ground, and it and this is per PFF, so fantastic research done by there. I think it was Steve Patzolo or what is it? Whatever his name was, Steve. Um, it's the draw Palazzolo. play. Palazzolo. Yeah. So the draw play. And um, the, the, the con- I'm not sure if you're familiar with the draw, but what it is, it, it starts off by looking like a passing play. The offensive linemen step back and they look like they're going into a pass blocking set to draw the defensive lineman toward the quarterback before either handing off to the running back or the quarterback taking it off himself. Now, most of us would think that that would likely associate to the um, either a quarterback run and they're in long yardage and late down situations. So, you know, when you're sort of trying to get that, I don't know, 12 yards. Um, but after pulling the data, PFF back to 2020, 84% of draw plays are actually run on first and second downs. Now, the interesting thing here is that only 923 draw plays have been run in the regular season since 2020. And the in the and the average in the league in 2022 was just 3.04 of rushing plays. However, there was one team in particular, and it's the Raiders, that ran more draw plays than any other team. They utilized that nearly 11% of their time on their wow. rushing plays under Josh McDaniels and helped obviously Josh Jacobs um, with the best yards per carry of his career at 4.9. So that's huge. One out of every 10 run Massive. Massive. Yeah, Massive. Huge. And I looked at that and went, how is no one talking about that? Because the draw is something that is hardly run in the NFL, but McDaniels has found a wrinkle that has allowed for one of the, well, I think their 12th rushing attack per PFF in the league. So that's something if I was preparing for the Raiders to be very much looking at and what McDaniels is doing in that draw run game 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, really, really little interesting. So tidbit. clever, man. That's so clever by McDaniel's because he knows it's a passing league. First and second down defenses are going to protect the pass, and if you make it look like pass from the snap, explosive. Yeah, when you've got a yeah. when you've got a running back that can cut like uh, Josh Jacobs can, just it, Ooh, yeah. make space for himself. Then yeah, you're on the money. That's really interesting. It's gonna okay. be. It's gonna be. Incredible. I'm gonna post this so hopefully it gets to Staley before we play them, <laughs> and they're onto it. In case their scouts haven't <laughs> yeah. done the hard work that Jack has done, you're back at school too, aren't you, Jack? Where are you finding the spare time? I oh, I'm, I'm sort of I'm reinvigorated by almost being a new father. I have I've got a zest, joie de vivre, as they say. Um, the the other little thing I had I had a, a part of this analysis is hold on to your butts. And that's the very famous uh, Samuel L. Jackson in Jurassic Park, the first one where he goes, hold on to your butts. Uh, Devontae Adams, I think, is going to still be, if not the top, in the top three receivers in the league. You know what he's going to do. If Josh Jacobs is playing as well, you're going to have to hold on to your butts because those guys aren't going to produce no matter what. Stick with it. Solid run defense. You're going to have to just let Devontae Adams cook. You might have to let um, Josh Jacobs cook. But ultimately, we know that if you just hold on to your butts, Jimmy G in a key situation at a key point in the game is going to fuck it up. He's going to do something that results in a pick six or it's an absolute heartbreaker. Now, whether that happens in the first quarter or the last minute remains to be seen. But the charges, you got to hold on to your butts early, late. Be ready because the mistake is going to come. Sorry, Jimmy G. It's it's just the the tale of your career, good sir. And when he gets injured, the um, Brian Hoyer and Aiden Con- when- Aiden O'Connell is um, not the most not the sexiest uh, backup room. So it could be a bit of bit of trouble because look, he's going to make a mistake and he's probably going to snap a leg or something. It's how he does it. Makes makes a million and gets injured. Uh, Predictions, fellas. I'm gonna go with me, two, I'm gonna go with two zero. Just clean cut. Yep. I'm gonna go two zero and I reckon Jimmy G sleeps with at least half the uh the cast of some uh you know show because he loves sleeping <laughs> around. Oh dude. Awesome. Oh, do you know, he's gonna oh, he's gonna he's gonna love Las Vegas, baby. He's gonna <laughs> love it. I thought you were gonna say like <laughs> I thought you were going to say Jimmy G sleeps with at least four lights on in his bedroom or something. Fuck. <laughs> oh, I'd buy that. Sleeps with the whole cast oh, of no. a TV show. <laughs> slightly better, I guess. It's a bit rarer. Uh, <laughs> 2 0 from me as well. And FTR um, all day, every day. Oh, yeah, every season, baby. <laughs> we didn't do uh, our uh, final standings predictions for Denver or Oakland. So um what what did we they went five and twelve and six and thirteen last year. Can we can we do any better on those ones for either of these two uh, teams? Or who gives I a reckon shit? <laughs> I reckon the Raiders break even at sort of eight and nine or something around there, but I think the the Denver Broncos might sort of bottom out before uh You reckon yeah, they're gonna go before... worse than five and twelve? Well, um, they might not go worse, but they're gonna they're gonna be the. Bo- I think they're gonna finish fourth in the AFC West. Let me put it that way. Okay, I'm gonna flip those. I think cool. Denver, even though Russ doesn't play well, I think they're gonna win eight or so games, and I see the Raiders in that you know six seven win territory, 
neither of them above 500 for mine. Yeah, no, nah, neither of them above 500. Yeah, about seven win mark for Denver and I think probably eight. Eight and nine for Las Vegas. Cool. Well, uh, what have we tallied up there? I've gone one and one with the Chiefs and sweeping the yep. Broncos and the Raiders. So, is that five and one in the I division? I had one more loss for the Chargers. I had four and two. So, resounding uh, strong divisional records, which has not been a strong suit of the Chargers in years past. But I think, like, it's, it's plain as day. That needs to be, like, a, a ticked off in order to f- finish... Uh, Finish with a good record, get those divisional um, divisional wins, and hopefully a deep playoff run. Looking forward to it. Um, well, that's all for today. Before we leave, uh, if you're enjoying our stuff, guys, don't forget to give the show a like and subscribe to the channel. Uh, review on any of your audio podcast services as you can. We really appreciate it all. Uh, we just want to reach more Chargers fans and... Um, Build the awesome community that we are, uh, that we are doing, because uh, it's really fun for us and it's really fun for all you guys as well. So um, follow the Twitter handle at TDU underscore charges as well to get on there and have a good yarn. Um, we'll be back pretty soon. Uh, we, If you haven't seen already, we had a great interview, great chat with former Chargers punter, Chargers Hall of Famer Darren Bennett last week, and so uh, it was really fantastic of him to give us eighty minutes of his time. And we've got another very special guest coming up, so we'll we'll leave that for the next couple of days and watch this space. We'll be back soon. Until then, take it easy. We'll see you next time on Thunder Down Under Chargers Podcast. Bye. Bye. Firing, he's got Floyd turning, got it, 6 and 10.